0: Good morning. Let's stand and worship together.
1: The God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, he pardoned the raging sea. My God, he
2: holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. House of the Lord, our God is shining in this place. We won't be crying. Shout out your
1: up from that grave my God the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. We are the
2: beggars, now we're running
0: thank you for allowing us to be here today lord we just thank you for uh, the church camp this past week lord we thank you for everyone that is here today god we just want to uh just lift you up we want to bring sing praise to your name god we want to let the let you know that uh, your house this house wants to praise you today in jesus name we pray Amen. amen amen
2: sweeter than
1: the morning or the sound of the rain from the mouth of the preacher and the sinner the same tender as a whisper but loud in its refrain may it hang on my lips for the rest of my days
2: Every song Sounds like
1: the
0: Hey, Matt, uh, uh, Matt, Pete's going to pray. Use the MC mic? Okay. Give me just a second. Pete's going to pray for us? You ready? Ready as you'll ever be? Probably. Okay. your hands, please. God, I thank you for this past week that um, we've got together and got closer to you whilst having fun. Um, I pray that we can come back into this same environment and just continue to learn more about you. I pray that everything we learn, that we can take it and put it to use. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's be sure it's turned off. It is. There you go. All right. Good to see all of you today. Hebrews chapter 11, 32 through 40. Hebrews 11, 32 through 40 as we work our way through Hebrews on Sundays. The title page, there's a young man in a uh, well, and this uh, is supposed to portray Jeremiah. And if you've ever read the book, you know the story, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, Jeremiah is not actually mentioned in the text, but anyway, so kind of get that picture in your mind. There's a young man looking up out of, the, out of a well, and uh, the story is Jeremiah dropped into a cistern or a well, and so anyway, that's what that is, and we'll uh, use that story here in a little bit. All right, Hebrews 11:32 32 through 40, we'll finish the rest of the chapter read the rest of it, and uh, verse 40 we use again next week, and I'll just ask right now, uh, I'll, I'll ask Lindsay if we can sing hymn of heaven next week. I know we did it last week, and that's like breaking the rules, but we're going to break a rule and, and sing him hymn, hymn of heaven next week, The Lord, Lord willing, it goes along very much with that last verse. So we're going to read 32 through 40. And then next week, Lord willing, we'll take 40 all by itself. That's a really cool verse. And here here we go, verse 32. And uh, what more shall I say? Uh, For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah. And I'll just put my finger right there. Oddly enough, if you've been with us in our small group on Wednesday night, we're going through the book of Judges. And we just, uh, we looked at all of those men, uh, probably, well, we're going to look at Samson next, he, he's actually next, and so all of those people within, within the past few weeks. So all of those uh, men come out of the book of, book of Judges, and also of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, and the prophets, of course, take in a whole host of folks that aren't named by name. And uh, who through faith, through their faith, through the faith of all the people that were just mentioned in that verse, and, all the, and the faith of the people who he's mentioned in the previous verses that we've looked at in the past weeks, who through faith subjected uh, subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Now, I put my finger right there. Everything that has been mentioned up to that point, the people and then all that they did is all really positive stuff. Really great stuff. It's stuff that uh, we would call answer to prayer. And people who live great lives of faith will see some of that. But that's not all that they see. And so in the middle of verse 35 through the rest of the chapter, it's all bad stuff. Up to that point, up to that where I've got my finger, it's all good stuff. But continuing on in the middle of 35, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Tradition tells us that Isaiah, the prophet, was sawn in two. The Bible doesn't say that. History says that. Sawn in two. They were tempted, slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. All these, having attained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. They have a good testimony of their faith, but still, it di- things didn't always work out real well for them. But it is now. But here on this earth, things did not turn out well for everybody who had great faith. God having provided, verse 40, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. That's the really cool verse. That we'll look at next week, Lord willing. Your journey, if you're looking at your outline on the backside of your announcement, your journey. Success is obedience. And the first uh, screen we'll put up, our view of success is often achieving desired results. When the title page says success is obedience, but that's often not how we see it, if we're honest. We don't really think of success as, as obedience. In our culture, in our world, our view of success is often achieving desired results. If things turn out the way you want it to, that's success. If, uh, if you win the game, that's success. If you don't win, you are not successful, and on and on. I mean, you, you get it. It's not hard to... To see that, it's not hard to know that. That's how we view success. I don't care who you are. We're tempted to do that. I I do that. I'm not so super spiritual that I I like to see, I like to win. Uh, I like like for things to turn out the way I want them to. And I tend to think that's success. Now, I hope you know, and, and I think most of you do know, I think this is a reminder, but that's not really how God sees it. You see, when when we read the the text we read, all these people of great faith, until you get down to 35, everything sounds good. Yeah, if you have great faith, then God's going to work out everything for you the way you want it to, the way you want him to turn out the way you want it to. But uh, the rest of the text shows us that's not really always the case. And I don't know when it's going to be and when it's not. But that's, that's our view of success is achieving desired results. The next screen is God's view of success is obedience. His desired result is always eternal. He sees more than you see. He knows more than you know. Of course he does. He knows more than I know. He's, he's, he sees more than I see. So his desire has always got an eternal part to it. So it's, it's about being obedient. We're going to talk more about that. So the next screen, our view and God's view are often very different. How you view it and how God sees it are often very different things. And so what we're trying to do is see our life the way God sees it. My journey the way God sees it. Now I want to, I'll take a kind of a different turn right here, and I, I, I hope this makes more sense to you, but uh, we're going to put on the screen, you can turn in your Bible if you'd like to, Luke chapter 2, very familiar scripture to you, the birth of Jesus, these are the angels announcing the birth of Jesus, Luke chapter 2, 10 through 11. Uh, Matt, we got two, yeah, we've got two screens. So this is what uh, is the first gospel message. This is preaching the gospel. The first gospel message, the only time the gospel message was delivered by an angel. So an angel, you you know the story there in Luke chapter 2, the birth of Jesus. The angel appears to the shepherds out watching their sheep by night, their flocks by night. And the, the angel appears to him and he preaches this very short gospel to them. Literally, the gospel. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. That's important. Everybody. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, his only begotten son. So the, uh, if we were back there, <laughs> good tidings of great joy, that's the gospel. The gospel is good news. Literally means good news. So the angel said, I've got good news for you. Now on to verse, verse 11, there's born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, the gospel, the, the announcement of it. Now, that's the only time, that's the first time the gospel is preached, the only time it's going to be preached by an angel. So from this point on, it's to be preached by people. To each other, the gospel is the, the 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 next screen. The gospel is an announcement. It's a proclamation. It's not a debate t- topic. I'm not saying it's not discussable, but it's not a debate. It's an announcement. It's a proclamation. Here here it is. The angel announced to them it, and I hope you understand what I mean when I say it. It matters if they believe it. But it doesn't matter because he's going to announce it anyway. So it's an announcement. It's a proclamation. Whether people believe it or not does not change the announcement. Whether people receive it or not does not change the proclamation. The gospel is an announcement. It always is. We announce it. We tell it. We share it. It's an announcement. It's a proclamation. But it's not a debate. The existence of God is not a debate. The Bible says that it's clear that that God is. You can look around you and it's obvious that God is. It's ridiculous to debate the existence of God. That's, That's a ridiculous thought. He just is. And so the gospel is the same way. It's an announcement. It's a proclamation. We can explain it. But how people receive it or not makes no difference in proclaiming the gospel. So here, here it is. This morning, for instance, I'm going to proclaim the gospel to you. You can believe it or not. That's up to you. It's not going to stop me. <laughs> it's not going to stop me. I'm going to procl- I've been called to proclaim the, the gospel no matter what you do, no matter how you receive it, no, no matter what you think about it. It's not going to stop it. And so the angel proclaimed it, and then it was given to man. And that's why the first part of the Great Commission is go. Go and disciple and baptize and and teach. And and if they receive it, that's great. If they don't receive it, what? Just stop? Is is that ever an option? No, it isn't. The Great Commission is to go and disciple and baptize and, and teach. It doesn't matter what Anybody does. It's not a debate. It's an announcement. It's a proclamation. And so we do it no matter what. No matter what. That's our job. That's our calling. So that's the the gospel announcement. Now, back to where I said we would go, to Jeremiah. Uh, My favorite Old Testament prophet to read, I like to read the book. Because of, of, of all the prophetic books, his is the most personal. And, he, and Jeremiah, more than any other prophet, will tell about how he feels. Remember a, a week or so ago I said it's fun to listen to Moses and God talk to each other. Well, Jeremiah is about the, about the same way. It's fun even though Jeremiah, would, Jeremiah said, no, it wasn't fun. It, it's fun to listen to them because it's very personal. And Jeremiah was a prophet to the nation of Israel at the very, very end. And his message to the nation of Israel is that you're going into captivity and there's nothing you can do about it. Praying about it isn't going to help. Fasting about it isn't, isn't going to help. God isn't going to change his mind. You're going into captivity. N- N- Nebuchadnezzar is on his way and there's nothing you can do about it. And so the prophecy of Jeremiah to the nation was sent from God, give up. Surrender. You're going into captivity. There's nothing you can do about it. So give up and, sur- and surrender and the enemy will actually treat you quite well If you'll surrender. But if you fight, you're fighting against God. And that's a prophet of God. If you fight, you're fighting against God. Because God has already determined, because of your sin, that you're going into captivity. There's nothing you can do about it. Well, the nation of Israel hated the message. And they hated the prophet. And so if they put him in prison several times, that would be the time to soften your message, wouldn't it? That would be the, that would be a good time, and that's what, that's what Jeremiah's friends said. "Hey, can you just soften it a little bit? Can you back off a little bit? Can you quite quit being quite so Jeremiah-ish? Can you back off?" And Jeremiah tried and this is, is going to sound strange, but he said, when he tried to stop, he said, the word was like a burning in my gut, and I had to say it. I had to speak it. So one time, that's the, the reason for the picture of the, of the well. Uh, they took Jeremiah, and they dropped him down into a cistern. It's an old well. And that the picture we had looked pretty, it didn't look all that terrible. But the one Jeremiah, the one they dropped him into, was just a, a mud pit is what it amounted to. And so he sank down into the mud to his armpits. And so he's, he's sunk down into the mud in this well in the cistern to his armpits. Some of his friends finally had pity on him, and they dropped two ropes down, and, the, and they dropped some old rags down. and said, so put these rags under your arms, and put the, that way you can put the ropes under your arms, and we're going to pull you out. Have you ever tried to pull anybody out? I'm sure you haven't. Have you ever tried to pull anybody out of a mud pit that they've sunk down to their armpits? And this the effort to pull him out of there. That's Jeremiah. That's the prophet. And he talked about how terrible it was. And he talked about how much, how much he hated this. This is what got me started on Jeremiah and this message right here. When God called Jeremiah, which it says that he called him while he was still in his mother's womb, which means that baby is alive. So he talked to him while he's in his mother's womb, and that pretty much stops that argument right there, okay, along with all the other scriptures. But it's Bible, and that's what we teach. So God said, I called you from your mother's womb, I've appointed you. There's a reason. There's a purpose for you. You know what? Everybody in the room is a Jeremiah. He's not special. The the calling he had was specific. I get that. There's not going to be another one. But you know what? There's not going to be another you. Hallelujah. There's not going to be another you. You're the only one. And God has made you and called you. Now Jeremiah just really knew I don't know how he knew, but he really knew that that God has done this from my mother's womb. I just just know it. Well, God's done that to you too. Now, your calling is not his. Mine's not not his. There's no need for another one. But there's a need for me. God's called me to a specific thing. And there's a need for you. And God's called you to a specific thing. Now, this is what got me started on him. Called from his mother's womb. When God made it plain to him, he was probably a teenager. Probably. We don't know. Probably, but you look at the kings and who he was. He was probably a teenager when God called him. And Jeremiah said, I'm so young. You know, Mo- Moses said, I can't talk. And, and God said, I, did, I, did I ask you? <laughs> did, I ask you about, did I ask you if you could talk? and and God said to Moses didn't i make your mouth didn't i make your ears so quit giving excuses didn't i make you just the way i wanted you to be made but god i yeah remember a few weeks ago there's something wrong with all of us right There's something wrong with all of us. And if you don't think so, that means you've got a uh, warped idea of who you are. There's something wrong with all of us. So God calls him. He's a young man, but here it is. God said, now, Jeremiah, I want you to go to the nation of Israel, and I want you to tell them this, but they're not going to listen. They're not going to listen. Now, if I'm Jeremiah, I'm going to say, well, if I'm not going to be successful then why do you want me to do it? If it's not going to work, why do you want me to do it? And God could easily answer, Why are you asking me that? I didn't ask you to ask me that. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. God could honestly say, and, and does say something, that's none of your business. Success is obedience, not desired result. Success is obedience. And it's immediate obedience. It's learning the discipline. When God says do it, you do it. And you don't ask why. You know, is God really that way? Sometimes he can be, yeah. So he said, Jeremiah, I want you to go to this people. They're not going to listen to you. But you're supposed to go anyway. Because the message must, must be preached. The message must be preached, people must hear it, they must be able to say i God, I have to be honest with you that 's what the prophet said would ha- happen and it and it sure did god i have to i have to be honest with you, you told us the truth we we heard the truth we can't de- we can't deny that we heard the truth, and that 's what people must hear and so Jeremiah was asked to go on a mission, go on a a ministry that God told me, it's, it's, it's not going to work, but I need you to do this. I need you to say it anyway. Not everything that God tells you to do is going to work. Well, then why? Because God said so. Kind of a different thing. Uh, way, way back, 100 years ago, Charles, Charles Spurgeon was was preaching Spurgeon's a Calvinist not going to get into all all of that but he was he was a he was a hyper hyper Calvinist which means that he believes that people are either going to be lost or saved I'm not getting into that but but his doctrine was that people either be lost or saved and there's nothing we can do about it so people asked him well if, if you really believe that why are you preaching if 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 you believe that that people are either going to be lost or saved no matter what why are you preaching? I love the answer I don't like his doctrine, but I love his answer because Jesus told me to that's true <laughs> because Jesus told me to if you're waiting to be obedient because you think uh, you're waiting for that successful uh To see success then you're going to be waiting a long time if you insist that God show you the end from the beginning like he can do then you're going to sit and wait forever and never do anything I promise you that some of the things that God tells you to do places he tells you to go things he asks you to say to people people do, whatever it is that God tells you to do, some of those things are going to be very successful in how we view success. It's going to have the desired result, and some aren't. But that doesn't matter. That doesn't mean that God didn't send you. It doesn't mean that God didn't tell you. And so what it is, is the discipline of becoming a Christian who will do the will of God, listen to the voice of God, follow the direction of God, no matter what, no matter where, no matter who. And the only reason you do it, Jesus told me to. Jesus told me to. I, t- I told you a little story uh, last week, about me praying for someone, I walked around at the church we were in at that time. I was very young, but I walked around the back of the church and went over it and I and I asked a lady if I was sitting on this side. I asked the lady on this side if I could pray for her. You mem- remember that story? If you were here, I asked her if I could pray for. Her. And I picked that story because it didn't turn out well. And she said, you know, no, I don't, I don't think so. And and so. It didn't you know i was I was hoping I 'd go over and pray for her. boom, she'd get down and, and we'd pray, and she'd just come up healed and you know I was that's what everybody wants, but I walked over over there and and she's not interested in me praying for her at all, and I' get back up and go back to my seat, you know oh I feel like a I feel such that's so dumb, you know did I really hear? Anyway, I thought about that story more this week. And I thought about some things that God may do. I was 19 or 20. First time I'd ever done that. I'd never done that before. I can't count how many times I've done that since. Hundreds. Maybe, maybe thousands of times that I've asked people, can I pray for you? And it started with that one time that was a failure. It could be, you know, God, why, why did you ask me to do that? Why did you ask me to come around and, and pray for somebody that you knew wasn't going to be want you to pray for him? Why, why did you ask me to do that? In the foreknowledge of God that I can't see, I know one thing he could have been t- t- could have been telling me is you better get used to it son you're gonna do this a thousand times but you just don't know it and I thought about this last week I've had several people ask me has has anybody ever when you ask them if you could pray for them has anybody ever said no and I always say no but then I thought no there was that one time the very first time that I just walked up somebody cold and said can I pray for you and and they said no Hadn't, hadn't happened since. But there's no way I could see. That it, it, I'm going to have to do that same scene many, many times. He's getting me pre- prepared for it. I don't know about her. I just, I just did it because I think God told me to. I don't know how she felt. I don't know if she went home that day and said, You know what? I feel really bad that that young man came up and asked me if he could pray for me, and I said no. And I, I, w- I wonder if that ever bothered her. There's no way for me to know. I don't, I don't have any idea. I, w- I wonder what she thought. And I wonder if maybe, and I like to think this, that maybe she said, you know, I told him, no, I'm never doing that again. The next time somebody asks me to pray for me, I, I'm, I'm going to say yes. I don't know. And then the other thing, I walked around back to the church so that hardly anyone would see me, but I know that some did. And I wonder, as I walked around the back of the church, there's no way for me to know this. That's kind of the point. There's no way for me to know. As I walked around the back of the church, and, and a few people did see me, I know some of her kinfolk did. I wonder if they asked her after church, what did he come around and ask you about? You know, why did, why did he walk all the way around the church to do that? What was he saying and doing? You know what, when I hear of other people doing that, when she may have told her kinfolk what I did, I wonder if they thought, you know, maybe I should have done that. Maybe Maybe that should have been me instead of him. When I see you do some things that I know I'm supposed to do, that's how it makes me feel. Here's the thing, again... Success is obedience. It's not knowing the result. Here's my question to you. What's God been speaking to you about? God has made every one of us in this room. He's created you, knit you together exactly the way he wants you. Warts and all. Failures and all. Sins and all. Everything. God has made each of us specifically, individually, uniquely. And God has called each of us. There's a reason, a purpose. God's got something for you. What is it? What's God made you for? And that can be a lifelong search, but I'd sure be trying to find that out. I want to know. What's God made me for? What's God called me for? Has God been speaking to you? You know what I'm going to tell you to do? Do it. Well... I don't know. Of course you don't. (laughs) You're human. That's our problem. We don't know how it's going to end. We don't know how it's going to work. Of course we don't. That's what we've got God for. That's what we pray for. That's why we're listening for God to speak to us. Success is not results. It's obedience. Uh... You could be like Jeremiah, he said, They're not going to listen, but I'm telling you to do it anyway. Okay? I wonder when Jesus sent the angel to announce his birth, the angel said, Oh, those shepherds aren't going to listen to me. And Jesus looked at him and said, You know better than that. Get down there. You know, that's what you're, that's what you're supposed to do. The angel could make all kinds of excuses, and, and, and he ought to know by, by now. God doesn't, doesn't do that. You, you get down there and announce the gospel, I'm going to tell you the same thing. You get out there and announce the gospel. You get out there and share the gospel. You get out there and pray for folks. You get out there and walk around the back of the church if you have to. You get out there and and talk to them. You get out there and send a text or an email or or what. You get out there and do whatever you got to do. But what is God asking you to do? What's God speaking to you about? I'm going to ask you to stand. Musicians, come this morning. I'm going to ask you to bow your head with us while we get ready to pray. It's a very special time for us uh, as we listen to the Lord and we respond to him. With your heads bowed, just to do, just so, I I ask you to do that just so I think maybe we can listen, maybe a few less distractions. What's God's been speaking to you about? Uh, sometimes I use the word calling and maybe that confuses people, but what's your calling? What's your purpose? What's God been speaking to you about? What's he want you to do? Has he been speaking to you and you just kind of put it off? Well, hey, we can make all kinds of excuses. I can't talk right. I'm young. And on and on and on. But God said, hey, I know that. There's nothing about you that I don't know. But I'm calling you, I'm asking you, and speaking to you anyway. It's not the person next to you. It's you. It wasn't Jeremiah and a friend. It was Jeremiah. It wasn't Isaiah and his brother. It wasn't Isaiah and his parents. It wasn't Amos and his good best friend. God called them spoke to them individually. Not the person next to you. You. What's God saying to you? If you need to come and pray about anything, anything going on with you, if you need to pray for somebody else, if if the Lord's been speaking to you about somebody else, you may need to be praying about that. God, I, I, I know, I know, I can't deny, you're asking me to go talk to my friend or my parents or my brother or God, I know you're asking me to do that. And I'm scared. And I don't know how and I don't know how it's gonna but I know you're asking me to do that. I know you are. So I need to come and pray about that. I need to come and pray for them and myself. Whatever it is. As a band plays, sings, I invite you to come and pray for yourself and Maybe for that other person that the Lord wants you to deal with. Anyway, as the Holy Spirit moves, if you need to come and pray, come. Mm
2: satisfied simply by being